0: Good morning, Crosspoint. Welcome to week number four in the Miracle of Mercy. If you'll take your outlines out from your bulletin, we'll get started. Today's message is entitled, Mercy Forgives. If you've received mercy, it is your obligation and mine to pass it along to others. Now, let's remind ourselves of the definition of mercy. Look up here on the screen with me. It is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. I know. That's why it's called mercy. If somebody has ever forgiven you when you didn't deserve it, you receive mercy. When somebody was kind to you when you did not earn it, You receive mercy. And the Lord requires us to pass it along to other people. Pay it forward, if you will. Look at this verse from Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' prayer says, Forgive us our sins. That is very easy to pray. Has anyone ever prayed that prayer? Let me see your hand if you prayed, Forgive us. Hey, look at there. Here's the flip side of the coin. As we have forgiven those who are the those. I'm looking at some, and you're looking at one. Some of you have forgiven me when I've blown it, and I have forgiven you when you've blown it. See the flip side of the coin, you see the it's a double-headed coin. We ask God to forgive, but then we pass it on to those who have sinned against us. Are you getting this? Mercy number one, big point number one, big idea number one. Mercy means God forgives me. I know some of you are saying, oh wow, tell me something I don't already know, Bruce. I thought this was going to go deep today. We're in week number four. Well, think about this for a moment. I know you may know it, but do you feel forgiven? Do you feel forgiven? Bruce, that's besides the point. Mercy is a theological fact whether I feel it or not. And you are right. You are forgiven whether you feel it or not. But you know what bugs me? I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, "Oh Bruce, I just feel so guilty. I feel so sh- so much shame." I have never ever had anyone come up to me, and I've been preaching almost forty years. If you count the summer months, I'm past forty years. All right. When I was in college, I'd preach at this church in San Clemente and different area, places. But I've never had anyone in forty years of my preaching walk up to me and said, "Oh, Bruce, today I just feel so forgiven." <laughs> I've never had that. I've had the guilt. I've had the shame. And you're saying, tell me something I don't already know. You may know it up here, but do you feel it in here? There's like about 18 inches between your heart and your head. God wants you to feel forgiven. If you don't feel forgiven, you should. Truth number one. Big, big point number one. God Mercy means God forgives me. Truth number one, God wants to forgive me. In Nehemiah 9 verse 17. You are a God of what? Forgiveness. Always ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful. Slow to become angry and full of love and mercy. Micah will say it like this in 7.18. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Let me ask you a question. Do you have to Do you have to be forced to do something that you delight in? No. You just delight in it. When I was a kid, I delighted in going to Disneyland. You know, we live here in the Southland, and we had cousins and relatives that lived in Arizona and Chicago and in San Diego. It was easy for us to go to San Diego, but we didn't unless someone from out of town was coming. And when we had relatives coming, oh, I thought, great, we're going to Disneyland. And we would get there early and we would stay all day. We'd ride all the rides. We'd even stay late into the night. We'd watch Tinkerbell fly across, you know, the, the thing there. And we would watch, during the day, we'd go over to Tomorrowland and the guy in that little rocket suit, he would take off and he'd fly over the crowd and land. Only like like 30 seconds. But man, that wasn't that the coolest thing you ever saw? And we'd stay until... The fireworks went off. The Main Street Parade, and after the parade was over, we had to meet at the gate. All oh, everyone, that's the congregating point. You can, once you got there, you checked in. We're meeting back here at this time. Now go do your thing. And then we'd meet back up, and then we'd go home. I delighted in that. No one had to force me to go to Disneyland, believe me. Now later, I, I don't like Disneyland today. I, I'm sorry, those of you Disney pass, season pass holders. It's, I don't like the crowds. I mean, if they just shut it down and I could go <laughs> ride all the rides, that Manahorn thing, you know, Space Mountain, all that stuff, I, I'm there. I just don't like the long lines. And so you know what I later learned to delight in? Yosemite. How many of you have been to the Yosemite family in Remember those days? Yosemite was a great thing, man. It was wonderful. I delighted in it. Think about what you delight in right now. Get that thought in your head. What really is your delight? Now, think about this. That's how God feels about forgiving you. He delights in it. That's how God feels about showing mercy to you. Big truth number two. God freely forgives me. God wants to forgive me, but he freely forgives me. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. Anyone want to give a testimony? No, we're there. Yet now, God declares us not guilty of offending Him. If we trust in Jesus Christ, now watch this, who freely takes away our sins. That freely part means that you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't pay for it. It's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus Christ His life to wipe your slate clean. To give you a clear record. Now some people think, "What, Bruce, that's just too good to be true. I know, but it's true. No, it's one of those things that's really too good to be true, but it's true. Isn't that a cool thing? Now some people believe it's true, but they just don't deserve it. To which I say, I know, you don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. Because it's not called judgment, it's called mercy. And that's what God gives us. In Colossians chapter one of verse 14, it says this. And in him we what's the next word? Enjoy. When was the last time you enjoyed your forgiveness? In him, where the forgiveness is, in him we enjoy our freedom, the forgiveness of sins. I got a little homework assignment for you guys today. I want you this week, every day, to spend some time enjoying the fact that you are forgiven. When was the last time you've done that? I I bet it's been a while. I want you to spend some time in your quiet time and just not ask for anything. Just enjoy the fact that I'm a child of God and that I am just as pure and as holy as God is holy. It's kind of hard to look at ourselves that way, right? Because we know ourselves. But that's how God sees us. Because of what Jesus has done for us. So, enjoy the fact that God freely forgives you. Big point number three. It's a third truth. God immediately forgives. He does it immediately. Um, you know, in, in in this book, you read about the Ten Commandments, and if you study the Ten Commandments, you'll find they're in descending order. Number one, God's number one. Number two, the idols. Da da. da and you can go down the list, and you get all the way down to the tenth one: don't covet. Okay, so they're in descending order of importance. They're all important. These are the big ten, but when you get to ten, God doesn't say, "Well, you know that covetous thing." Number ten, I will fig- I'll, I will forgive that immediately and completely won't take any time at all and even number nine you're not supposed to lie to each other but I know how people are and they get in blinds and they tell lies I'll even take care of that one immediately and number eight you're not supposed to steal from one another it's getting a little bit harder but I'll even forgive that immediately but number seven and number six are going to take a while what's seven thou shalt not commit adultery What's number six don't murder boy if you do those you're going to have to suffer a little bit before I forgive you what, what, what does the verse say Isaiah 55:7, 7 God is merciful and quick to forgive if you've been forgiven how long should you feel guilty oh let's say about a half a second See, because guilt is kind of like a warning light on your car. Uh, You ever have the warning light go on, and you go, "Uh uh-oh, what's that? It's not designed for you to sit there and stare at the warning light. Uh Uh-oh, warning light, warning light. It's there so you do something about it. Okay? Well, guilt is kind of like that. It's kind of like the warning light in your life that you're not supposed to sit there and stare at. You're supposed to do something about it. Well, first of all, I would say... If you're feeling guilty this morning, it's not coming from God because God does not lay guilt on His children. If you're feeling guilty, it's for one of two reasons. Number one, you're doing it to yourself or Satan is messing with you. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but that's very different from guilt. So, the warning light goes on, I'm feeling guilty, what am I supposed to do? Like the dashboard? Stare at it? No. Avert your eyes from the guilt and look up to the cross. Because that's where the forgiveness is, right? That's where the grace is. That's where the mercy is. That's what you're supposed to do with guilt. God's kids don't... Go around guilty. It doesn't really do you any good. It's a myth to think that somehow, way, feeling guilty makes you a better person. It does not. It makes you a miserable person. Right? That's all it does. Grace makes you a better person. I'm going to say that one more time. There better be an amen out there somewhere. Grace makes you a better person. Amen. If you think guilt makes you a better person... You don't understand God. You don't understand this book. It's His grace that makes you a better person. Forgiveness and grace and mercy makes you a better person. When you understand how nice and good and generous our Father has been to us, it makes you want to respond to be nice and good back and to others. People that are feeling guilty and ungrac- and, and unforgiven are are not very forgiving to other people. Sinners treat sinners terribly when you're feeling guilt. But God wants us to feel grace. It's a whole new thing. So, truth number one, God wants to forgive me. Number two, He freely forgives me. Number three, He does it immediately. And number four, it's complete. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 God forgave not just some, but all of our sins, and He canceled the record. That means He completely annulled it. Uh, God took your sins, and He treats them as if they never even happened. That's how He does it. How long do you have to remember a bill that's been paid? you don't someone answered correctly uh, how many of you ever bought a new car okay and you remember oh it's fine just 165 years of easy payments right you know <laughs> there's no such thing as an easy payment but let's say you get to year seven and you know and and you know you know that you know, 12 more payments 11 more payments nine eight seven six five one one more payment and i get my life back right Have you ever paid off a new car? It's just the best feeling in the whole world. And you send off that last payment and you receive in the mail that pink slip, right? With the statement, paid in full. And you never have to worry about that car payment again, do you? It's done. You don't have to worry about a bill that's been paid off. It's paid for. And you've been paid for. You've been bought with a price. It's free, but it's not cheap. It was the blood of Jesus that covered you on the cross. He canceled the record that contains the charges against us. There's a record out there, folks. Believe me, it's written in a book, and Satan's Satan's got one too. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it, the Bible says, to the cross. It's not like God took the file of all the sins you've ever committed And he takes that file and he goes. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to put this in a in a lockbox for safe storage. And if uh, they ever get out of line, I'm I know where it's kept. I'm going to bring it out again. Right? I think we get this idea that you know he he's storing up. You know, I'm okay today, but you know what? He's got a record somewhere. This verse says he keeps no record of wrongs. He takes your file of all your sins. And puts it through a, a shredder, okay? Yeah, but you know I've heard where they take those shredding machines and they can somehow, some way, with sophisticated equipment, put it all back together. But then he takes the shreddings and he puts them in an incinerator, and boom, they're gone. Are you getting this? That's how God treats your sins. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus, Micah seven nineteen. You will have mercy on us again and again and again is the idea. You will conquer our sins. You will throw away all of our sins, where? Into the deepest part of the sea. No one's going to retrieve them. So if God has forgotten your sins, shouldn't you? If if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Every time something bad happens in your life, you know what you're going to think? God's punishing me. God's punishing me. Some of you are getting real quiet like, right, I never thought that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Where do we get those ideas? I got that idea from my parents. I really did. One time, cousins came from Arizona. And we were in the back bedroom having a good time. The parents were in the living room having a good time. But our time was better than their time because we were jumping on the bed. <laughs> and it got noisy and something got knocked over. And I remember my, one of my parents coming in. You kids need to knock it off and quit jumping on the bed. Somebody's going to get hurt. Okay, yeah, yeah, everyone quiets down, shh, real quiet. And before long, we're laughing, we're giggling, and we're jumping on the bed again. And sure enough, someone got hurt they bounced off and hit their head and in came the parent. That finger came out. I told you someone would get hurt. That's God punishing you. <laughs> really? <laughs> Can you show me that verse in the Bible? I'd just like to just put your finger on that verse. I'd like to see it first. And you know, we grow up with that kind of stuff. Parents don't do that kind of stuff. You are not God. You know, you don't mess up and get out of line. God goes, okay, you know, I think I'm going to break his arm. <laughs> you know, he doesn't operate like that. That's not the God of the Bible. We're our own worst enemy. We, you know, we, we, we cause most of our own problems on ourselves, believe me. We don't need God, you know, breaking our arms when we do stuff, too. We do enough to ourselves. And so we need to remind ourselves that kind of God he really is. And the longer you think that God is punishing you, let me tell you what's going to happen. The further away you're going to want to get from a God like that. But when you recognize His love, when you recognize His forgiveness, when you recognize His mercy, the closer you're going to want to get to a God like that. James 2.13, watch this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mean, Bruce? It just means mercy wins. See, judgment's not going to win. What do we deserve? Judgment. What's going to win? Mercy. We're not talking about justice here. We blew it. The devil's the accuser of the brethren. And God says, I know, but we're not talking about judgment here. We're talking about mercy. God chose mercy over justice in the way He treats us. Now, flip side of the coin. I only have two points. That was point number one. Point number two. Mercy means that I forgive others. Point number one, what is it? Mercy means God forgives me. Point number two. Mercy means I forgive others. It's a real simple lesson today. You, you, you can memorize those two points. Flip side of the coin is we struggle to forgive, I think primarily for two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, we haven't been forgiven. I mean, we may think we have. We may have gone through a false conversion. We may even have gotten baptized. But we have not really accepted the Lord and His forgiveness and been truly forgiven. That's a real possibility. If you will not forgive somebody, you might want to question, am I really a believer? Am I really forgiven? Do I understand the grace of God? Or, number two, maybe you are a believer, but you just don't feel forgiven. Why? Because you grew up with the script of legalism. And you got to do and you got to work and you got to, you know, if you just, you know, you're like a ping pong ball, you know, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out of the family based on how I feel or what I've done today. That's legalism. That's That's garbage. We need to talk, (laughs) okay? I grew up in a loving, legalistic church. Very loving, but legalistic at the same time. And if you don't feel forgiven, you're not going to really want to forgive anybody else. You just kind of struggle. There is a third possibility, and it may be that you have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Look at your outline this morning. Take your outlines out if you haven't already done so. Get yourself something to write with because I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. Are you ready for it? Just five questions. It's just true or false. All you got to do is circle one or the other. What do you think the Bible says about these five statements? Statement number one. A person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for it. True or false? A person... I don't want you to say it out loud. Just write it, will you? A person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for it. Number two, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. That forgive and forget idea. Is that true or false? Number three, forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain that it caused. True or false? Forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain it caused. Number four, forgiveness includes restoring trust. And reuniting a relationship. True or false? Is that what the Bible teaches? Or number three, when I see someone hurt, it is my duty to forgive the offender. True or false? Now, it may come to a surprise to you, but all of those are false. The Bible doesn't teach any one of those. Like the last one, for instance when I see someone hurt, it is my duty to forgive the offender. If someone else is hurt, it's not my place to forgive the offender. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember this. I think it was about a year or so ago. My, when it comes to time and dates, I, I'm really bad at. But you may remember seeing on television, there was this fad or phenomenon going around where people would just walk up to total strangers, mainly gang members and the like, and then just punch a, an unsuspecting stranger right in the face and try to knock him out. You know what I'm talking about? Did you see that on the news? Okay. So imagine you're an eyewitness to this. A man walks up to a total stranger and just belts them as hard as he can in the mouth. And they fall to the ground. And there they are bleeding, missing some teeth, and they're kind of like, you know, stunned. And you were to walk up to that situation. Here this person is on the ground, and here is the offender, and, and you say, Oh, you shouldn't have done that. That was a horrible thing to do. But I just want you to know, I forgive you. <laughs> what do you think this person's thinking? Who are you? What are you? What are you doing? Put out! The guy hit me. Didn't hit you. Stay out of it. They're actually offended at it. Do you see how that doesn't make any sense at all? That is not biblical at all. It's actually rude to interfere. Don't take up an offense of somebody else when it's not your place. And so truth number one, under mercy means that I forgive others, is forgiveness is not conditional. A person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for it. They don't have to ask for it. It is not conditional. Now you think, that's counterproductive. Isn't that kind of against what you just said there? No, these are two different factors. Well, what I just talked about was number five. I'm now talking about number one. Forgiveness is not conditional in that quiz. Paul the Apostle himself says these words to the Ephesians. Ephesians 4.32 Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. How fast was that? How quickly was that? Just like that. I don't know about you, but when I've blown it, and somebody come and I say I'm sorry, and someone says, you know what, Bruce, it's okay. I forgive you. It feels so right to receive forgiveness. It just feels so right when I'm being forgiven. But when someone's hurt me, And they ask for forgiveness. And I'm still mad. (laughs) It just feels so wrong to forgive them. You know what I'm talking about? It just feels wrong. And yet, Paul says, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. How quick? Instantly. How thoroughly? Completely. See why you need the Holy Spirit? You see why I said you can't really forgive somebody that way unless you are saved or unless you are feeling forgiven. It's, it's impossible. You need a supernatural strength on your side helping you. That's a challenging verse. I don't know if you, you're familiar with the name Corey Timboom. You remember the book The Hiding Place? Any of you have read that? Uh, she grew up. In a Christian family, back during World War II, and her Christian family hid Jews from the Nazis in their house. That's why it was called the hiding place. Until they were found out, they were discovered, and the whole family was sent to a Nazi concentration camp. They were her and her sister Betsy. Corey and her sister Betsy were separated from her parents. And these two little girls were all by themselves in this concentration camp. And they went through some horrible things. Devastating things. Her sister Betsy actually died while she was there. And after the war was over, Corrie ten Boom decided to go back to Germany and share the love of Jesus Christ with the German people. And the story of forgiveness. Germany was in ruins. The people were going through a horrible time. And she just felt that to be her calling. And so that's what she did. And here's what she writes. This, this is going to take a minute, alright? So hang in there. We're going to go a little overtime today. I was in a church in Munich and I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat. A brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I'd come from Holland to a defeated Germany with the message of God's forgiveness. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, and then the next moment in my mind I saw the uniform and a visor cap with a skull and crossbones on it. It came back to me in a rush. The huge room at the concentration camp called Ravensbrück, with its harsh overhead lights and pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, and the shame of walking naked past this man. The man who was making his way forward had been a guard. One of the most cruel guards. Now he was in front of me. His hand thrust out. Fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know, as you have said, that our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Mm. And I, who had so glibly, spoke of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I'd like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins, had again and again been forgiven, and I could not forgive. Do you see the picture that's going on here? Do you feel what's going on here? Hmm. This is where the rubber meets the road. I don't know about you, but I will never have to forgive anybody else more than Christ has already forgiven me. I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven, and I could not forgive. My sister Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, handheld out, but it seemed to me, hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I'd ever had to do. Still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I I can lift up my hand. I can do that much. Would you supply the feeling? So, Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my har- arm and sprang into our joined hands. Then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. For a long moment we grasped each other's hands. You could just see this. The former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, at that moment. Wow. What do you do with a story like that? Feel guilty? No. Oh. Well, if if she was able to do that, why can't I do I should feel guilty for not being able to... No, guilt, guilt's a bad motivator. That's not what you're... Oh, if Jesus forgave me, then I should be able to forgive others. Oh, I feel so guilty... Guilt's not a good motivator, folks. Don't don't go with that. Instead, what I want you to see in this story is God. God's the hero in this story. God, I'll do the action, you provide the feeling. Remember that? It's a will of the heart, it's a will of the mind. It was God who gave Corey Tinboom the power to forgive. And he'll give you the power too. So, big truth number two is forgiveness. Well, number one, forgiveness is not conditional. Whether you're a Nazi concentration camp guard, or a next door neighbor, or someone at your school, or a fellow employee at your work, it's not conditional. You do it. Truth number two forgiveness is not forgetting. Remember the quiz that I just gave you? You haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. Not. That's not biblical. You don't read about that in the Bible. But we make up stuff, don't we? God's going to get you. That was God punishing you. Where do we come up with stuff like these things? It's not from the Bible. Let's make sure we're theologically correct when we start instilling these messages into our children. Really mess them up. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean you forget what happened. You know, I think it's kind of an impossibility. If something really tragic happened to you, I think it's impossible to forget it. Time and tears are a healer, and it may wane, but to forget it completely? I think that's an impossibility. And so the Bible's not going to give you a commandment that's impossible to keep. Does that make sense? The Bible never says forgive and forget. 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Paul, Apostle Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy. He gives him a heads up. Timothy was Paul's protege. Timothy's a young preacher. And he says... Timothy, I want you to tell you, tell you a little bit about Alexander the metal worker. He did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. You're saying, now wait a second, Bruce. I think I'm reading a contradiction here. Didn't Paul just tell the Ephesians the word of forgive completely and as quickly as Jesus forgave us? Yeah. He did. Well, Sir, sure sounds like a whole lot like Paul saying, now nah, I hope God gets him. No, 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 no. That's not how you're to read this. Paul had forgiven him. Paul had taken his own advice. But that does not mean Paul had forgotten. Are you seeing the difference? He forgave completely. He forgave immediately. But it doesn't mean he forgot, and it doesn't mean that he could not protect other people. He's not saying, I'm going to get even. What does he say? He says, I'm going to turn him over to the Lord. I'm going to let the Lord handle this. You know, because if I, if, I, if I dwell on what Alexander did to me, if Corey ten Boom dwelt on what that prison guard did to her and her sister, it would have ate her up. And she'd have been the worse off for it. Sometimes you just got to forgive and let it go for your own mental health and spiritual well-being. Paul had done that with Alexander. He's just saying, I'm turning him over to God. But Timothy, I want to give you a heads up, which leads to our third truth. Forgiveness is not trusting the person again. In our quiz, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. That's not Biblical that's not so what does paul say in second timothy 4 15 be on your guard against him look timothy alexander did me a great deal of harm he hurt our ministry he hurt our message and he might hurt you heads up he has forgiven him but you don't just trust somebody immediately I don't know what happened to Alexander. I don't know the rest of the story. I hope he repented and the relationship was restored in time. But it takes time. See, forgiveness is instantaneous. Boom, just like that. But reconciliation, that takes a while. If a spouse has an affair, it can do a great deal of damage in the relationship. Right? Would you agree with me on that? And the husband can forgive the wife, and the wife can forgive the husband. It can go either way instantly. When true repentance is there, you can just let it go. And they say, okay, let's get back together. No, 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 not instant. That didn't happen right away. There's got to be some safeguards put in place. There's got to be some uh, steps that that never happens again. There's got to be, yeah, you know, all that. St- and then now you start working on reconciliation. Forgiveness instantaneously. Reconciliation may take a while. Are you getting the difference? That's the biblical truth. But you work on the reconciliation. After the forgiveness has taken place. I'm on my last page of notes. Truth number four. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is releasing it to God. That's what Paul did. Revenge doesn't work. It will take take you to places that you will not want to go. It will turn you into somebody you don't want to be. You'll find yourself saying things you never wanted to say. You'll find yourself doing things you never wanted to do, and you'll find yourself being the person you never wanted to be. I have seen unforgiveness destroy families and marriages and careers and a person's spirit. And so you release it to God. You trust it into His hands. And when you forgive like that, it sets you free. There's a tremendous power in forgiveness. Some people find it hard to forgive. Some people find it easy to forgive. I think sometimes it has to do with your background. You know, some people have grown up in very difficult circumstances and 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 maybe they just find it hard to trust and forgive others because they've been hurt again and again and again. Maybe that's your background. And so when it comes to forgiving, it just doesn't come easy for you. Others of you maybe just think, well, you know, yeah, someone says, I'm sorry, I, I accept it. It's just real easy for me to forgive. Maybe that's your personality, okay? I think that's more personality than you just being real spiritual, okay? This is my thinking, all right? Because if you're thinking, I'm just really that spiritual, that's pride, and so I don't think that's from God. The simple truth is, forgiveness is not something you do. It's something that God has done. Forgiveness is not a gift that you give. It's a gift that God has given you to pass on to somebody else. Last verse, Colossians 3.13. Remember the Lord forgave you. So, you must forgive others. Those two concepts are always linked in the Bible. Lord, forgive me, and let me forgive those who have sinned against me. It's a double sided, well, maybe it's the same side of the coin, but those two truths are evident. I can't forgive others without knowing that God has forgiven me. Has God forgiven you? I pray that he has. If he hasn't, why don't we just bow right now and ask him to? Would you pray with me? And as we pray, I invite you to pray along with me. You might even say this morning, Father, thank you for forgiving me. Help me during this week to recognize the truthfulness of your forgiveness. Help me to do my homework assignment. And every day, spend a little bit of time enjoying the forgiveness that you've given me. Now the flip side. Some of you might need to pray, Lord, there's someone that I need to forgive. And so right now, I release it to you. Right now, Lord, I'm just forgiving that person. I'm releasing it to you. And I pray that that's happening right now. I pray it's happening right now in this room. And if you're listening to this on the internet, I pray it's happening with you. Now, if you can't do that yet, I invite you then to pray. Lord, I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to be made willing to forgive. I'm not there yet. I want to be, I'm just not there yet. And so I'm willing to be made willing to forgive, Lord. Lord, would you work with me and show me the way? I think that's a good start. And in the end, Lord, all of us, we say, we are grateful for the forgiveness that's given through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the whole church said, Amen.